Hello. We're pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. The New Testament, the story of Christianity, does not have any room for this idea that you can be a Christian and never have anything to do with the church. That concept is completely foreign in the Bible. There are many religious doctrines in the world and while some might have us think that all roads lead to heaven, nothing could be further from the truth. If you're doing some exploring, you're new to Christianity or you've been a Christian for a while, then stay tuned. Let's join Dr Corbett now as he goes back to basics and continues his short three-part series titled Christianity Unpacked. Tonight, let's look at the church. All right, good evening. As you continue on enjoying your light supper, I'm going to just talk to you about Christianity Unpacked. And we've already seen that there's three essential things that you need to go on the journey of being a Christian. And the first one that we looked at is the Christian's relationship to God's word. And being a Christian is being a person of God's word, the Bible. We mentioned that in the wisdom of God, he's given us writing. Writing that can be put onto paper, it can be put onto, as it originally was, it was put onto leather and even before that it was put onto what's, what came before paper and that was known as papyrus. And if we're going to start out on our journey of following Christ and being a Christian, we need three essential things and this is the first thing, the Bible, the Word of God. And if all you have is the Bible, that's, that's a good start but it's not where the journey finishes, it's not what you need for the whole journey. The other, the other day, I had to, uh, I, I have, um, th- well, I normally have three bags that are preloaded. In other words, I have things packed in case I have to go suddenly somewhere and I can just grab a bag. I've had some embarrassing moments of not having bags quite packed or a bag quite packed, particularly when there was one occasion when, uh, where Kim will tell you much to my horrible embarrassment that we misread That's the departure time. That's all we have time, time for tonight. If you'd like to obtain to a CD copy or premium download of tonight's discussion, then please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org, and select Christianity Unpacked, the church from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, when the Christian's faith is grounded and buttressed in God's word, godly prayer and God's house, he or she Kim flourishes. That concludes so, this short series, Christianity uh, Unpacked, I had from to, Dr. Corbett next uh, week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Ligana Christian Church and uh, president of ICI I, Theological uh, College Australia. Had, Thank uh, you for joining us. We look forward uh, to meeting with you again same time next badly. week for another I, Finding I make Truth sure Matters. I, I pack my bags as light as I can. And so on this particular trip, I had to make some judgment calls. Do I need to take this? Do I need to take this? And I'm taking things out of my bag to travel as lightly as possible. And I guess I'm using that picture to, to make this description of Christianity. If we're going to travel as lightly as possible, we need three things in, our, in the bag. And the first one is the Word of God. That's what we need. We need the Word of God. So when we talk about Christianity Unpacked, in my mind, what we're talking about is taking the three things that I think that are absolutely essential 
to travel on this journey with Christ. First one, the Word of God. That's what we need. The second one is indispensable to living as a Christian. And the second one is prayer, to understand what prayer is. I've met Christians who have said to me, I don't know how to pray. I hear, and, and, and I remember when I was a young, very young person, and I was in a, I walked into a, a Pentecostal church's prayer meeting that was happening in someone's house, and I'd come from an Anglican background where people, the only prayers people prayed in the Anglican church were the ones that were written 400 years ago, and they're in a thing called the Common Book of Prayer, and that was the only praying I'd, I'd ever heard. And these people were not only praying prayers that were not written 400 years ago, they were not even praying prayers that were written down. In fact, they were just on the spot praying. And I had never heard that. And so this radically challenged the way I thought about prayer. And then they did something quite scary. They formed, there was maybe 30, 40 people, they formed little circles of people as they, they broke, and they said, okay, what we'll do, we'll go around the circle and we'll have everyone pray. Well, it came to me and I froze. I had no idea how to pray without reading a prayer, and I had no idea that you could pray just from your heart with a group of people. So I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue what to do, and I felt I felt really bad afterwards because I, I, I just didn't know how to do it. I have since found that prayer is very simple. Prayer is just talking with God. One of the things that you would come to understand as a Christian, if you do number one, which is the Bible, you read through the middle book of the Bible, which is called Psalms. It starts with a silent P. And in the Psalms, most of those Psalms, if not all of those Psalms, are prayers. And what we find in this book of Psalms is that we, we find that there are people that are praying prayers to God that come right from their heart. And sometimes the things that's in their heart are, are things that make them really, really happy. And they're letting God know, I'm, thank you for these wonderful blessings you've given me. My cup overflows, one of the psalmists said in his prayer. And he, he was so happy. Then sometimes the psalmist will pray prayers like this. God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Where are you? Why am I all alone? Do you, is anyone even there? And oftentimes what you discover, it's, it's exactly the same person praying those two prayers. One very, very happy with God, and the other one, where are you, God? So I discovered that prayer takes on two forms. One is when we're just on our own, no one's listening, and we just talk to God. We just talk to God. One of my favourite TV shows as a young boy was International Rescue. It was a, a show created with puppets and... And these guys were super-duper rich people who could afford their own rocket jets. And instead of just tripping around the world in their rockets and aircrafts, they decided that, that they would help people. And so they set up a system whereby anybody on any radio frequency anywhere in the world could simply say this, International Rescue, help. <laughs> And International Rescue, in their space satellite, of course they had a space satellite, which was, you're not going to believe where it was, 
in space, yes, and they would then communicate back to the to where the, the Tracy family lived, which was on their own island, and they would send their, their aircraft out to help these people no matter where they were, and they had all this wonderful rescue equipment that could get people out of any pickle they were in. And later on, I realised that is very, very similar to prayer. No matter where we're at, no matter what frequency we're on, in other words, all language we spoke, we could call out to God. We can ask God to help or to rescue us. And I would say today, the most common prayer I pray is God, help, help. The word help is in my prayers more than any other word. There are things that I don't know how to do and I need God's help. And so I ask him to help. I ask him for wisdom. The third thing that is essential to have in the journey with Christianity, the word of God informs us about God. The word of God helps us to understand the way he speaks, his language, what's important to him, gives us the rules of life. Prayer helps us to come close to God because the more transparent you are with someone, the more someone hears what you really think, what you really feel, the closer you are to them. The more that you know someone understands you, the more you will realise how close you are to them. If you're not transparent with someone, it means you cannot get close to them. So next time you're in the supermarket and the supermarket person checking out your groceries says, how's your day going? If you're having a really, really, really terrible day, do you tell them? Probably not, because they don't know you and they don't care. But if it was a good friend who asked you the same question, you'd probably tell them because you, because you know they care. And I think it's the same thing with praying. We share with God what, what we're really thinking, what we're really feeling, because we know he cares. Here's the third thing that's absolutely essential for growing as a Christian for developing our Christian walk. In fact, if you want to flourish as a Christian, if you want to grow as a Christian, if you want your Christian life to be utterly delightful and enjoyable, through the highs and lows of life, you need this third thing. And this third thing is the church. So we're going to have a look at that tonight. It's important to have these three things right at the foundation of your Christian life. Right at the foundation. Here's why. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it, it gives this principle. Therefore, as you received Christ, Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So here's the thing. If you became a Christian because someone told you, give your life to Christ and you will always be happy. You'll never be sad. You'll be full of joy and life will be great. Guess what your Christianity had better look like from that point on? Always happy, never sad, and life is always great. Guess what you're actually going to discover? You're not always happy, you will be sad, and life is not always great. So therefore, it's really important that right from the outset, as you receive Christ, in other words, the reason you give your life to Christ is not because you're going to be happy, never sad, and life will be great. The reason anyone should give their life to Christ is because they came to realise what they really were in the eyes of God. 
And there's two things that everyone who becomes a Christian should know right from the outset. Number one, God loves them. Number two, they are separated from the love of God by their sin. And the gospel, the message of the gospel, the good news is God is prepared to forgive us of our sin. And so as you received Christ, I hope it was because you realised those two things about God. One is he, was, he loves you unconditionally and infinitely. But you know, unconditionally doesn't mean that we actually receive what he's offering. The way we receive what he's offering is by confessing our sin to him and asking to receive what he's offering. And that is his forgiveness. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So, what should we all have been taught from the moment we gave our lives to Christ, the moment we realised God loves us unconditionally, he loves us so much he's prepared to forgive us, that elicits a response in us that says, Father, I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to be forgiven of my sin. Thank you that you've taken my sin, my guilt, my shame, and put it on Christ who died in my place. That's the foundation of Christianity. And all of that is grounded in The Bible, it elicits a prayer, praying in us. And from that moment on, those two things must always be a part of your walk with Jesus. The word of God and prayer. And the third thing is in that verse as well. Established in the faith. You were established in the faith. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you should have been established in the faith. The New Testament, the story of Christianity does not have any room for this idea that you can be a Christian and never have anything to do with the church. That, is, that, that concept is completely foreign in the Bible. The moment you become a Christian, God places you in a church. He places you. He calls you to be a part of a church, a community of people. And we're going to see this tonight. So this is what we need to, to realize again, that when The Christian's faith is grounded and buttressed in God's word, godly prayer, and God's house, that is the church, he or she will flourish. Notice I've got their godly prayer. Because from the outset we should be taught that we are sinners who need to be forgiven by God. And he offers that forgiveness to us. And our response to that offer is, thank you, I receive it. And that should be the flavour of our praying from that point on. I don't deserve anything. You give it to me. You offer it to me. And I thank you for it. That means we don't see God as our online heavenly supermarket. Give me this. Give me that. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Rather, it's I deserve nothing. Father, I deserve nothing. But Lord... This is what I need. And if you don't supply it, I'm still going to worship you anyway. That's godly praying. And godly praying also involves not just praying for yourself. One of the things that I noticed when I went out to help in kids' church this year, and I've got a couple of my, well, actually I've got one of my class members here tonight. 
whose birthday it happens to be today. And when we, we started to do a bit of grown-up church in, in our group, we finished with praying and every one of them prayed for themselves, which is nice, isn't it? They all prayed for themselves. But here's what I think God expects of us as we grow in Christ. We begin to pray for others as well. That's godly praying. But here's what we also need to know. Christianity is a spiritual battle. The Christian has an enemy who does not like Christ being exalted. That is Christ having his way in your life. And this enemy, the evil forces, is at play and is absolutely determined to stop a believer from reaching their spiritual destiny. Christ has a plan for your life. It involves shaping you and making you into the person he's called you to be. And the enemy doesn't want that to happen. So we read in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to have a a fair bit of uh, Ephesians tonight. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 says this. And this is what I've noticed. Every time someone starts out in their journey with Christ, the enemy wants to stop it. He wants to stop it. And the enemy's strategy is very simple. He wants to distract the new Christian from the three essential things that they should have packed for their journey with Christ. He wants to distract them from the Word of God. He wants to distract them from praying to God. And he wants to distract them from being a part of a local church. In all circumstances, it says in Ephesians 6.16, Take up the shield of faith. Which you, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This is the evil one who's firing darts at new Christians as well as Christians. I think he'd love to take out any Christian he could. So here's the question I think we need to ask. Because I've told you that God's word teaches that the relationship of a Christian to the Bible, prayer and the church is inseparable. You can't take one of those out. And claim that you are walking with Christ. It doesn't work like that. So here's the question. What is a church? What is a church? The Greek word for church is ecclesia. Ecclesia. And it means the called out ones. Not ordinary. Called out. Different from others. Called out. You're not a part of the crowd. You're called out from the crowd. You're now different. And you're in this group called the called out ones, ecclesia. By the way, the study of the church is called ecclesiology. Ology means study of, the study of the church. The church is called an assembly. I went to a primary school where every Monday there would be an assembly. We didn't, back in... Back in the 20th century, we didn't have these expensive government-funded halls. We had bitumen, and everyone had to stand out there. And in summer, in the 20th century, they used to supply, Ali in Australia, they used to supply bottle, little bottles of milk with aluminium sort of lid things. And that bottle would be delivered, and if the assembly didn't take place until just before lunch, that bottle's been sitting out there in the full sun all day. And uh, it, um, there's a process called yogurtizing. And, or where 
I went to school, there were lots of magpies who thought, oh, something shiny, I could poke my beak through that. And so magpies would peck it through. But the school principal, his name was Mr Blackie. And he was ex-military. And so when there was an assembly, he was big on saluting and standing to attention. And he would even say, everyone at ease, exactly as you would say in the army. (laughs) And that was an assembly. And you didn't dare not turn up. And you didn't dare not stand to attention if Mr. Blackie said, attention, or at ease. And that means you could put your hands behind your back. And everyone had to do it. And then we had to stand there for what seemed like hours and listen to him go on. I can't remember a thing that he said. But that was an assembly. We had to be there and it was important. And the Bible describes the church coming together as when the church assembles. It's an assembly. There's something important about to happen. The army has now been summoned. You are to stand to attention. You are to stand at ease when you're told you could stand at ease, which meant you could be in a posture to listen. And that's one of the words used to describe the church. What is a church? The church is a place where God's people come together and together, that word together, and at the start of this year we went through the one another's in the Bible, the one another's in the New Testament describing the church. The church is the place where together we worship God. Now we saw in, a, in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, this morning that, that it said that Paul was saying, uh, be eager to guard the unity. Be eager to guard the unity. And there's this, this sense in which we, we are called as the church To come and to guard the very thing that God wants us to be. And God wants us to be the place where together we worship. But in that eagerness to guard the unity, Paul said this. To do that, first thing you'll need is humility. Humility. Humility to to be able to worship with a group of people. And when I first met Kim, we were... uh, our, all, our, all of our mutual friends were from Malaysia. They were all Malaysian. And it was a thing called Overseas Christian Fellowship at Deakin University. And some of them could sing in key, but not many. <laughs> and they, when, when they did their music, they had a piano, a guitar and something else. And none of them were in tune, especially in tune with each other. Not at all. The piano was not tuned to the guitar and the guitar was not tuned to anything. And it was, a, it was, it was funny, kind of, if you're not into music. <laughs> and I happened to kind of be into music. And there's this sense in which it didn't matter because they were worshipping. When they worshipped, they were worshipping God with all their heart. They loved God and I thought that was really special. The church is also the place where we come together and we pray together. And sometimes this takes humility to hear someone else pray on, on your behalf. The church is also the place where we come and we receive instruction, as we just read in Colossians, as you were taught. The church is the place where you come and according to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, we are to stir one another up and encourage each other, it says. So the church is the place where we're supposed to be encouraged, not just scolded all the time.
The church is the place where, here's another Bible word, where we come and we are edified. If you've ever seen a, a building with Corinthian pillars, that's called the edifice of the building. It's the strength of the building. And when we come to church and we are to be edified, it means that we, we come in with depleted strength and we go out being replenished with strength. That's what it means to be the church, to come together and get strength from each other. And it's the place where perhaps we don't fully appreciate the significance of this. In some churches, they call them sacraments. In other churches, they, they go by other names. I prefer the word ordinances, communion, baptism, marriage, those things. They are sacred. They are sacred moments, not meant to be trifled with. This is what the church is to do when it comes together. What is a church? It, the church is where that happens. I heard someone say once that the only reason... God has got the church on earth is so that the church can evangelize. And I happen to say, that, you know, the New Testament teaches that there's 12 reasons why God has the church and evangelism is about number seven. Because all of those things, I haven't even mentioned evangelism. Evangelism, if we could put it this way, may happen on a Sunday. It may. But you know when it's supposed to happen? On a Monday. In other words, as the believers come together, these things take priority. And we'll see in a moment some of the, the purpose of the church. But let's have a look at this first. Why should I belong to a church? Why should a believer belong to church? Jesus gave the picture of a church being a shepherd with a hundred sheep. I hope in years to come, our church is able to have a ratio of one pastor to a hundred people. I hope. So if we have... 600 people, I, I hope we have at least six pastors. That, do you hear what I'm saying? So that there's the capacity for, for everyone to be cared for. The capacity. Jesus gave the picture of a shepherd with a hundred sheep and that shepherd knows them all by name. We have three pastors in our church and that's about the size of our church as well. So the church is the place where the shepherd, Jesus said protects the sheep he guards the sheep she guards the sheep the shepherd guards the sheep from wolves the shepherd also leads the sheep where they can be fed the shepherd also knows that in psalm 23 your rod and your staff they comfort me <laughs> which is a picture of the shepherd giving the wayward going sheep a little tap Oh, that was comforting. And in it comes back. And so the shepherd is designed by God to correct. By the way, shepherds themselves are subject to correction. It's the place where together we cooperate. Why should you belong to a church? Because you can pull your resources, your talents, your gifts from God to be a blessing to others. And it's the place where you'll be equipped because the Bible uses these words to describe the church, it, all of them speak of belonging. The first one, a holy nation. You are a holy nation. You belong to a nation. Your allegiance might be to Australia, UK, Nigeria, or wherever it might be. But your allegiance is also to the church. And you know what that does? That means that our brothers and sisters in Nigeria are our brothers and sisters. We are a part of the same nation in God. Do you understand what I'm saying? This gives us a brotherhood that's beyond borders, beyond boundaries. 
We belong to something that's global and international. So we're called a holy nation. We're also called a household. A household. In Ephesians chapter 2, it describes the church as a, a household. It describes the church as a family. It uses the expression brothers and sisters. It tells young men, treat older women as if they were your mother. Treat younger women as if they were your sisters. The church is called a family. The church is also called an army. Paul told Timothy, be like a good soldier. It requires discipline and training. That's an army. And all of those things, who ever heard of a nation having an army of one person? But I don't think that's how the real world works. What is the purpose? What is God's purpose for the church? God's purpose for the church is to be his voice. When someone says something silly out in the workplace, you can be God's voice by simply saying something like this. You know, as a Christian, I don't agree with that. You may even say, I don't agree with that. And they may ask, why? And you could reasonably give the answer, because that's not true. I read something on Twitter last night that kind of reminded me of why I shouldn't read anything on Twitter. And it was in response to someone saying, what a wonderful thing that Roe versus Wade has now been overturned in America. Which, by the way, has very little bearing on us here in Australia, just by the way. But yet enough Australians have chimed in on this. And this person wrote back to who said this and said, how can you claim that abortion is a wrong thing when we know that a baby does not become a human being until it's out of the womb and breathing? And I just thought, how dumb is that? It doesn't become a person, a human being, until it's out of the womb and breathing? Where did you get that idea from? That's... That's interesting. The church is called to be God's hands and feet. To go into the world and to care for the, for the poor, for the, the unfortunate, the prisoner, the naked, the hungry. We know that from Matthew chapter 25 where Christ said, As much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. The church is called to declare his praise. We are meant to be the people that get distracted by a vision of this world that is greater than the distractions that already distract us. And we are meant to worship God and to praise him as God's people. And this is meant to be something that causes people to go, why would they do that? We are meant to be a people who declare God's praise. We are also meant to be a people who declare his truth and I in my notes I've got that in 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 brackets and I've got it's actually the truth because his truth God's truth is the truth we are also called to comfort one another we're also called to edify one another we're also called to be trained as believers and the church has a purpose by God's ordained plan to discipline the wayward. We talked about that a little bit this morning. And to correct those who wander off the narrow way. So, why is the church important? Why is the church important for us individually as believers? 
Because God wants to make you humble. Isn't that exciting? Who wants to be humble? Like I don't know anyone who's got that as this year's goal is for me to be more humble. But God's will for your life is to be humble. And sometimes you have to hang around people who irritate you. You know, like Sister Sandpaper. And what does sandpaper do to our rough edges? Smooths them out. And after a while, Sister Sandpaper wasn't that irritating after all. Or Brother Carborundum Stone. You know, we've got all these people that rub us and they irritate. But God uses that to humble us. He wants us to be humble. And oftentimes the reason people don't want to be a part of a church is because they are proud. No one's going to tell me what to do. And what's more, they're all stupid. That's pride, isn't it? That's pride. God wants us to be a part of the church. And here we go in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. This, if you're wearing socks, this verse should blow them off about this point. Because it says this, So that through the church, this is God's ordained plan, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. When we gather week by week, there is a declaration being made to every demon within the vicinity of this church that there is a God who is ruling and reigning and he is sovereign and not them. He has a plan for mankind. He has a plan for this world. And we are declaring the manifold wisdom of God to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And ultimately, that means that God has ordained for manifesting his glory in the earth is through the church. Which is one of the reasons why I'm pretty sure this explains why so many weak Christians are susceptible to the enemy schemes who wants to pull them out of the church when the Bible says this, to him, God, be glory. Where? In the church. Ephesians 3.21 And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever Amen. It is God's will for each of us to belong to the church, to be a part of the church, to be a member of the church in the spiritual, biblical sense that we belong. We are part of his body in this place. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to be the church, the church in this community, the church in this valley, the church in this city. Lord, help us as your people to declare your praise. Help us as your people to be able to care for one another. Help us as your people to be taught, instructed, trained, corrected. God, help us to be the church that on Monday morning makes a difference in our world. Help us to be the church that can speak words of hope, light and life and truth into a world that's increasingly becoming dark, a world that's increasingly embracing death, not life, a world that is believing a lie and not the truth. Help us, Father, to be winsome, gentle, humble and caring that we might be known as the people who sincerely and truly love God and love them. So now, Lord, have your way in us. May we know the love of God. May we know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And may we know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org and select Christianity Unpacked, The Church, from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, when the Christian's faith is grounded and buttressed in God's word, godly prayer and God's house, he or she flourishes. That concludes this short series, Christianity Unpacked. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.